This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. My name is Elliot and I appreciate you turning in to this podcast this morning. You may or may not know, I also um, have a YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, and I have been recording all of my hunts since 2015, season nine, nine years, I have recorded every single waterfowl hunt i have been on except for a couple there was one day i couldn't believe this my wife's and my transmission went out in both our vehicles on the same day those are expensive expensive problems and they both went on the same day and man i was planning on going hunting that day and i was so pissed off i was like screw this i'm going hunting anyway i borrowed my dad's truck i went out golden boy and i hunted and just pounded him and i did not film that hunt and that's like one of the two hunts um in the nine years that i have not filmed so if you don't watch those videos and you want to see some of the hunts that i go on go over there to youtube and subscribe to the freelance duck on a youtube channel today i am recording this on 12 26 23 eight days after my heart attack and tomorrow is actually my first hunt since the heart attack and then it's been it's been a crazy crazy christmas i'll tell you that monday which i talked about this last podcast but had all that pain and pressure went into the hospital left work went into the hospital monday morning found out it was heart attack put stents in since then i have felt great i was released back out on tuesday evening and so this is tuesday that i'm recording this um 
and I feel I feel pretty good. I, 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 the biggest difference is just this is a mental, this is a mind bender. Knowing that I could have died, might have died, almost died, whatever. You know, getting my head around that has been challenging. And also, I'd say the only real challenge I've had, well, it's been kind of surreal. It's been kind of surreal. And just thinking about life, thinking about mortality, thinking about daily decisions, you know, all of that stuff. And then there's been a couple nights where it's like I'm feeling these feelings in my heart. And I start like, what's that? Am I feeling something? Is there pressure there? What is that? And it gets in my head. Two of the eight nights, it's gotten in my head a little bit. And um, that's caused me some discomfort. But anyway, I'm working through it. I am glad that I'm still back here with you. One thing I'm proud about is, now, I did not release an episode Christmas because that's Christmas Day. But other than that, I went through a heart attack, a serious massive heart attack, and didn't miss my posting schedule. (laughs) So that's Nate, Nate said that's dedication man because we were we released um our day two video actually last we were supposed to release it Monday but the heart attack stopped it I messaged him I got my computer into the um hospital bed and did a couple final final touches on it on Tuesday and told Nate yeah I'm ready to release this <laughs> I did not miss it I did not miss any posting schedule so um, I'm excited about tomorrow's hunt. The last hunt I went on, which would have been, let's see, what would the date of that have been? The 16th, I shot my first mallard limit. And man, were there a ton of mallards there. I have not released that video yet because I don't want anyone to recognize where I'm at. And I don't think anyone will recognize where I'm at. I really don't think anyone will. But I'm hunting that same place tomorrow. If I do well at that place tomorrow, I'm going to hunt it either the 28th or the 29th. And I'm going to hammer, I'm going to ride this place out um, the next six or seven days, hit it a bunch if it's still viable and good. And I don't know. I haven't been back in there since the 16th. I can tell you that there were a load of mallards using this area on the 16th and I don't have any reason to think that they're gone. I don't think they're being hunted. It's this little river that I got access to. And so, but I don't know, we're kind of going, we're kind of going in there blind, kind of going in there blind. Um, I'm going with my buddy, Jacob Burden and his award-winning British lab Cooper. And so that'll be really exciting. Jacob and I have never hunted before. Um, he's a dog training friend of mine and, uh, um, if you're if you're working on hunt tra- hunt test stuff, AKC, um, HRC, it's really important if you don't have like your own grounds to have a little group of training buddies is essential. Because without a little group of training buddies, you just can't get it done. You just can't get the things done you need to get done. So I've got Cole and Jacob. Um, I've also got a guy named Ed <clears throat> who trained some with us. We have this little group and Jacob has been in that group. And this is the first hunt that we're going on tomorrow. And he's a nurse, which that's not why I asked him to hunt with me, um, which is just a awesome benefit that the first hunt I'm going on, that's um, a ways off the beaten path. Since my heart attack, the guy going with me is a nurse. So um, again, not, not the reason I asked him to go. I asked him to go because it had been on my bucket list of like, Hey, we've been hunting together. We've been talking about it this year. Let's make sure that it happened. And I actually wrote out a list of like, okay, here's all the possible people I could ask. And Jacob was way up on that list. Cause I hadn't hunted with him before. So we're going out there tomorrow. We are meeting 
I'm right around shoot time, and we will see how it goes. And next time I do a podcast, I'll give you guys a report on it. But, man, it was an awesome hunt. If you want to see that hunt right now, you can see it on Patreon. That video is done. It's been edited, and it's been released. It's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. You can go and see that video now. And I'm just holding on to it because I think there's going to be a small, small number of people that see this place and know where it is based on what I showed on the video. But I don't, I need no one else to be on these birds. I need no one else to be on these birds. If I, if I want them to stay there and tomorrow the wind is going to be 15 gusting to 25. And this is a little back um, river off of a major river. And it's got really high banks. And my experience with those little high bank, little rivers, high wind days, boy, they love it. And it's go, it's colder. It's going to be colder tomorrow than it's been even today. So I think they're going to be in there like crazy. We will find out, and I will let you know about that. But I am so excited about it. Um, so today I'm going to do comment of the week. I'm going to do two comments for comment of the week. I've got two questions came in that I wanted to address them both. And then we've got Woody's top five. And I told you guys last time, this is the most controversial Woody's top five I have ever released so much to the point that I had to call and, you know, get some opinions. It's like, Hey, uh, is this over the line, man? Is this okay to release this? Is this too much? And, and, uh, I don't think it's over the line. It's, it's, it's all in good fun, all in fun humor. And, and but I think you're going to really enjoy the Woody's top five for today. So before we get on to <clears throat> the two comments of the week that I've got, I want to encourage you to support the partners final approach. You can get to them at fabrand.com and the 10% code off there is FDH 10 where everything on their site F the F a brand.com is 10% off. So before you buy any of your waterfowl stuff, you're like, Oh, I need this. I need that. Go check and see what they've got. Use that code. Help support me. Um, great products over there at final approach. Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. I am definitely taking that with me tomorrow. I've had it with me quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Makes a big difference with your motion on the water. I think that you will see improved results uh, if you use those the Decoy Spreader System. MotionDucks.com and it is FDH10 for 10% off there as well. And then on X Maps, on X Hunt. You can be, it will help you become a better waterfowler with scouting, tracking, going in the dark, seeing recent imagery. So many things you can do over there. Make sure and download that. And as always, the North American Waterfowler app, which I had created, been working on for a while now. And we've tried to up our game. It's a log, diary, whatever you want to call it, where you can just keep track of all of your waterfowling, keep pictures of your hunts, <clears throat> track dog retrieves, and much, much more. The NorthAmericanWaterfowler.com or on iOS and Android, just search North American Waterfowler. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into Comment of the Week. It's time for Comment of the Week. All right, this first comment comes from Dylan Hobbs, and he asks, when we get a migration like this year and there aren't many mallards around, what does your spread look like? 
I've been running 8 to 10 mallards with some teal, a couple pintail, and a couple widgeon mixed in. My thought process has been trying to match what I see while hunting, or do you still throw out more regardless? I haven't added motion ducks system yet, but that's my next piece of gear I want to get. I usually run two pulsators with my decoys and a jerk rig. You should get a motion ducks. Just haven't had much success lately, but the ducks are also fairly stale. All right, so I am always of the opinion that I want to match what's around. Um, This year, we have had a very, very late mallard migration. Now, we are to the point now where we never had a huge mallard push, but now we're mostly mallards. They just kind of eased in to the state over time, and we're definitely to the point where most of the birds here right now are mallards, but we just never had one of those massive mallard events where, boom, they're just here. And so I am to the point now, so tomorrow, for example, I am taking, I think, three to four mallard, dozen mallard decoys, the live FA decoys, the flocked heads, and I'm taking a couple dozen green wing teal decoys or just teal decoys, and they look like green wings. Because you never know when there's going to be teal around. You never know. And you can, those teal are just good little fillers. So that's what I'm bringing tomorrow. I, I'm leaving the pintails at home. I'm leaving the widgeon at home because I don't think you're going to have many pintail or widgeon around right now. And if we do see them, I think that the mallard decoys and the teal decoys will do the job with any of those opt species. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, well, about a month ago, <clears throat> when Nate from Falling Tide TV was here, we didn't hardly have any mallards around. And the spread that I was putting out was tons of teal and pintails and gadwall. Um, That's what I was putting out. Now, I always like to have a half dozen mallards out there just in case you see some mallards. Um, But I typically, I just want to match it. And there are some times when I want to go small spreads. But for me, and I know a lot of people do it different ways, and, and some people may not necessarily agree with this. Um, and I don't claim on this to be the expert. That's just what this is just what I do. I only go really small spreads if um, I'm walking in and it's a heavy load and I just can't bring very much in. But more oftentimes when there's not much wind. So the less wind, the more I cut down the number of decoys. I just don't if it's gonna be windy, I just always want more. I always want more. I just feel like more decoys attracts more ducks. I know I've heard people say, Hey, late season, we just go really small spreads and, and, and they want to look different and do that. And that's fine. And that probably works. But for me, um, I'm going to go bigger spreads when I can, or if I'm in the boat, I'm going to bring quite a few decoys. If I'm walking in, it's going to be less, but, uh, typically speaking, I just want to match what I'm seeing, um, in the decoy spread or, or match what I'm seeing in the area and, and as be as realistic as possible. Let's go ahead and jump into comment number two. Let me pull this one up here on my phone. I got this comment. Where did I get this comment from? Um, this comment came into me on Instagram, maybe. I can't remember if it was on Instagram or Facebook. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but this says, how do you scout two hours away? I live in a border town. Idaho is 15 minutes from my house. The majority of Utah is two hours plus south and a half of the snake river valley is two hours to the north i'm buying my idaho license it doesn't make sense to drive over the mountains and shoot teal on the something marshes when i could be shooting mallards and geese two hours to the north i can't really scout either of these places very well and feel trapped with only half the valley to hunt 
Idaho will give me access to the rest of the Cache Valley and up towards Grace, which is a one-hour drive. But the split runs into that county and ends early, forcing me to go two hours. So essentially, um, how do you scout when you're hunting that far away? Do you just wake up extra early and drive four hours, or do you find some eyes and ears in that area? Thanks a bunch. All right, so um, I'm actually in that position this year. Normally, I don't love to drive more than an hour and a half away, but this year there's a place a couple hours away that's just really good, and so I'm hitting it a bunch. And how how do you scout it? How do you know the ebbs and flows of the place? Well, <clears throat> part of that goes to tracking the weather and the environment itself. This place I'm hunting, I know it has excellent food source, and so I know if there's a good migration then there's probably going to be birds in this place. So learning the place and then learning the weather, you can pretty much just kind of figure it out of how it's going to be. But also developing people that can give you information is huge. So this place I'm hunting, I've got um, two different friends that hunt down there. I ran into some guys from Georgia when I was down there, and they were really cool. I ended up talking to them a bunch and got their number. So I've developed some people that I can give information to and get information from. And there has been days where I've had some of these buddies say, hey, I shot a bunch of birds down here today and I didn't go because I didn't think it would be great. But really, there are two different ways to go about this. There are certain hunters where they have enough time and enough time off that they don't duck hunt unless they have found the birds. And they will drive and drive and drive and drive around until they find a good situation and then they will hunt. But if you are a Monday through Friday worker with your weekends off, that's just not going to be your life. You just can't do it. So you're going to have to hunt blind some. And that means that your average per hunt is probably going to suffer a little bit from it because we don't have the luxury of just I'm only going to hunt when I know the birds are there. Like my hunt tomorrow. I have not seen birds in there since, what did I say, the 16th. It's now been 10 days. I have absolutely no idea if the birds are still in there. But I know that they love that area. I know in the past, in these type of areas on high wind days, they're really good. So I've just got to go hunt it blind. I could also go to that spot on mine two hours away and hunt that blind. I, you know, the, the, the reality of it is either you're going to hunt or you're not going to hunt. And if it's a good spot, you know it's a good spot, and you've got a day off, and didn't just you just got to go do it. You just got to go do it. You just don't have the luxury of finding the birds before you scout or before you hunt them. Now, <clears throat> you know, going earlier is is definitely a good thing. But honestly, a lot of times, like if I'm going into an area where um, it's a pretty big area and there's multiple places to set up. Now, tomorrow is another good, perfect example of that too. Um, when I hunted last time on the 16th, I saw thousands of mallards in that general area. I don't want to just go in there and just set up right where I set up last time. So we're not, we're not heading in until shooting time because I want to observe how the birds are reacting, how the birds are behaving, and then go in and set up from there. So sometimes actually, if, if you need a little scout going earlier is not the best solution. Going later is the best solution or just sitting and glassing right at shooting time. I I like to get to places right at shooting time, sit there and glass. And this time of year with this type of weather, normally when you're talking a lot more mallards, 
10 to 2 o'clock is, could very possibly be your very best time of day. So um, sometimes going later is actually a better solution than going earlier. So I hope I was able to answer that question for you. Um, if you guys have any comments of the week entries that you would like to hear me answer, you can get me over at Facebook at the North American Waterfowler Podcast Group or on Instagram, Freelance Duck Hunting, or on email, FreelanceDuckHunting at gmail.com. All of those are great places to submit questions for comment of the week. So let's jump to a real quick, quick break, and then we will grab Woody for the controversial Woody's Top 5. I'm going to play a little song for you today from a band called The The. This is The Whispers. Really, really good song. Really, really good album. The The. The Whispers. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so we are back from that little break right there. Let's go ahead and jump right into Woody's Top 5. All right, boys, let's get this wrapped up so we can get back to hunting. Yeah, it's Woody's Top 5 Alright everyone, welcome to another Woody's Top 5. What is going on, Woody? Well, I I gotta be honest, I was listening to a podcast here just not too long ago. I was trying to get caught up on some of your podcasts, Elliot, and I'm I'm a little concerned. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little concerned. I've uh I was listening to you talking to that high playing sportsman fella out there, old Matthew. And, uh, well, I, this is kind of hard to talk about, Elliot, but I'm kind of worried they 
kind of worried there's something wrong with you. Well, yeah, why is that? Well, y'all started talking about what she was doing in that that little Airbnb y'all got out there. What were we doing? It was... Uh, I don't know that I can do this. <laughs> well... I have no idea what you're talking gonna, about. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you tried a little experimentation. A little experimentation. You got you a bowl of chili and put a, put a cinnamon roll in it. Hey, hey. What when you're in, in Rome, the... Uh, what in, in the world is wrong? Mm. <laughs> I don't know how your mama can look you in the face. I, I, mm. <laughs> I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I just, I, I don't guess I don't need to be too judgmental and all that. I didn't love it. I'll say I didn't. I didn't love it. I think if it were hot, rather the oven, it would be different. But I can, I can say I didn't really love it very much. Mm-mm-mm. There's only one thing that's supposed to go in chili, and that is Waverly crackers. Did y'all have Waverly crackers? Waverly. Huh, Waverly. Oh, we use corn chips. Oh, they're them. Uh, oh, cl- club crackers is what they are. There's a them long Ooh, kind of I rectangular. Love, I love. Yes, club I crackers. love club crackers. But yeah. there was, I don't know, one of the brand Nabisco, one of them made Waverly crackers. That's the only thing I'll put in my, my chili. No, I, I, I like, I like corn chips or mm-hmm. rich crackers, saltines, whatever. But I got to draw the line at desserts. I ain't putting a piece I'll of pumpkin you, pie it, in my chili. His uh, duck chili is fantastic. In fact, my wife Beth made a similar version of that tonight, and it was really, really good. We'd never made duck chili. And uh, we just cut it into tiny little pieces, didn't even, like, grind it. And it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Yeah, years back, my wife, well, all, about all the kind of meat we eat is, uh, all the red meat we eat is deer meat. I usually kill a few deer every year. <laughs> we ran out of deer meat one year. So Miss Larnetta had to run to the store and buy some hamburger meat and made chili Boys all dove into it, kind of started making funny faces. She said, "What in the world? What's wrong with y'all?" And they didn't want to say nothing because they's all scared of her, just like I am. But <laughs> finally, one, one of them said, "Mama, there's something wrong with this chili." And she said, "Oh, what do you think's wrong with it?" And they said, well, "It just tastes funny. Don't taste right." What What did you do different to it? She said, "Well, I put beef in it and not deer meat." And they said, well, that's what's wrong. You put beef in it. Oh, they right. was upset because it didn't have deer meat in it. It didn't taste right. right. You so, got them conditioned. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we ate a lot. Of, we still eat a lot of deer meat. All right. So, whew, all right. Enough with the happiness. Let's get down to brass tacks here. Tonight, my top five is top five reasons that Midwestern waterfowlers can't stand Indiana waterfowl. Here we go. <laughs> I don't think it's any secret. <laughs> There's a little bit of a tiff going on between me and a certain <sighs> certain fella that likes to get on and shoot his mouth off on the internet. Anyhow. <laughs> Here we go. I ain't going to take it too personally. Here's a top five reasons that Midwestern waterfowlers can't stand Indiana waterfowl. Number five, they call Coca-Cola pop. 
<laughs> you want a pipe? No, if I want something to drink, I'm going to ask for a sweet tea or a Coca-Cola or a cup of coffee, not a pipe. What's wrong with them people? They wear their underwear too tight or something. Anyway, number four. They have 15 bands on their lanyard. They're all banded at the local city park. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Tell you what. Makes me sick. Watch fellers brag about all the bands they got. And you know, good and well, every one of them was banded by the Boy Scouts about six weeks earlier at the, at the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not all bands are equal. That is for sure. Not all bands are equal. No doubt about that. All right. I'm trying to get too personal here. I'm just saying. Number three. They call themselves Midwesterners. They're in Indiana. Mm. That ain't Midwest. Nope. Of course, it ain't East either, because kind of what it comes down to is ain't nobody wants to claim them. <laughs> but they're kind of their own little place over there, and they ought to stay in it. Number two, they ain't real good with identifying species in nature, especially things like poison oak. Can't tell them. Some people might say they can't tell poison oak. I've heard people say you can't. Someone can't tell their butt from a hole in the ground, but <laughs> can't tell poison oak. From toilet paper, from leaves. Rub it all over yourself. Get all itchy. <laughs> Anyhow, my buddy Lim, he got. He come over oh, probably six, eight months ago now. Kind of had a forlorn look on his face. I said, Lynn, buddy, what's going on? You don't look too good. He started crying. I thought, well, did his mama die or what? I, I hardly ever seen old Lim die, cry about anything. He said, I don't, I don't know how much time I've got left. I said, what are you talking about? How much time you got left? He said, I think I've got. He named up some named off some big old long tick disease. I got this tick disease. I'm gonna die. It says a life expectancy is only three months. If you get diagnosed, I said, Well, is that what the doctor said? Well, no, I ain't been to the doctor yet. So what are you talking about? You ain't been to the doctor. He said, Well, I just got on the internet and diagnosed it myself, but I'm pretty certain that's why. I said, did you have a tick bite? No. No, I don't think I ever had it. I said, did you did you have the rash that they showed in the picture? Well, not exactly, but, but it is a rash. I said, Lynn, where's the rash at? Now, that was a very dangerous question to ask, I understand. <laughs> said, where's the rash at that you think from this tick disease? He said, well, it's between my big toe and my little toe on both feet. I got the I said, Liam, you ain't you ain't got a tick disease. You got athlete's foot. <laughs> he said, I have athlete's foot. I ain't an athlete. I said, no, it's them nasty old boots you wear all the time with no socks in them. So anyhow, <laughs> I run him to Walgreens and bought him some athlete's foot cream. Cleared it up in about a week's time. <laughs> there you go. He was, he he was very thankful, though, that he didn't have some sort of near-death experience. Well, athlete's foot sucks. It's, it just burns. It is. 
It is. Probably not near as bad as having poison ivy on your nuts, but, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> Number one, top five reasons that we can't stand the uppity, smart mouth, judgmental, cringy, <laughs> yes, I said cringy, Indiana waterfowl hunters. Because they won't stay in their own darn state. Ninety-five <laughs> percent of all their hunts are in somebody, some other state, shooting somebody else's birds or deer or rabbits or quail or catching fish, whatever. Stay in your own place. Mercy <laughs> sake, stay there. Ain't nobody wants you anyplace else. Stay there. <sighs> anyway, try not to make it too personal. Had an honorable oh, mention. Uh, an honorable mention. Top five reasons Midwestern waterfowlers can't stand Indiana waterfowlers is they they buy up all the boats on the market so nobody else yeah. can have one. But <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't want to say that necessarily. Might be too <laughs> cringy. Anyhow, there you go. Your top five. If you happen to be from Indiana and are a waterfowler and a podcaster, you can cram it up your ivy hole. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Elliot. There's your top. I'm sorry. I oh, that was juicy. Well, I appreciate you coming on here for another Woody's Top Five. Uh, that one was pretty comical, I have to say. All in good fun, but definitely pretty awesome, pretty funny. So, thank you guys for listening. This has been another Woody's Top Five. All right. Well, man, Woody was uh, on fire today. He was he was getting after it a little bit, wasn't he? So anyway, appreciate you guys listening. Um, the best thing you can do to help me is just tell your friends about this podcast and help me grow it. Until next time, you've listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. And now she wants to cry, stay.